I took a big swig of that just then. It's really strong. Yeah, it is, mate. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Ooh. Do you want to take Ooh. a minute? You're right. Yeah, that's, that's a forty-six percenter, dude. Oh, don't know why I did that. Yeah. I didn't realise there was that much left in the bottle. Yeah, <laughs> thought there's only a little bit left. I'll just polish that off. Oh my god, professional. This week on Whiskey and Things, I talk to American music photographer, Jared Scott. And all the way from Dublin, we review the Teelin Small Batch Irish Whiskey. And as always, you can keep up to date on all our shenanigans on those social media platforms, at Whiskey and Things Podcast on Instagram and at Whiskey and Things on Facebook and Twitter. Remember to take the E, screw it up in the ball and throw it away. We don't need it. You don't need it. And please, if you're feeling generous and you're enjoying the show, don't forget to click the subscribe button or leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform provider, Thingamajig, whatever they are. Nailed it. (laughs) Why not? Let's go with that. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast with Dave Giles and Nick Kent. Welcome to Whiskey and Things, episode nine. Correct. I am Nick Kent. Wow. I am Dave Giles, and thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome. Uh, Nick, I got a few notes on last week. Just get us started. Just get us, get us going. Get us on the mainly treadmill. About, Give us a warm-up. Mainly it's about Lagavulin. Um, Lagavulin. First, first thing, I'd like to apologise for the fact that I pronounced Lagavulin 17 different ways during the episode. It was an education, mate. I still don't know which one is the correct, correct way of doing it, but, you know. As long as you get the uh, whiskey you order... And it's fine, whatever. <laughs> exactly. So a, a, a few comments. Um, Dan Cox messaged to tell me a story about him and Lagavulin. Oh, and Dan yeah. Cox uh, is a guitar player and a very, very good guitar player at that. Decent bass player too, I think. And one night he got so drunk on Lagavulin that the next morning he quit his day job to become a full-time musician. <laughs> so Lagavulin is the reason that he is now a musician. <laughs> He said it was such a such an inspirational moment drinking that much good whiskey that he decided he had to become a musician. Hang on, did he resign or was he fired from his job from being so hungover? <laughs> he resigned. He resigned. I woke up the in the morning and one. had a clarity. He had a clarity of mind that made him go, <laughs> go, I know what I need to do. I need to quit my job and make music my full-time Hang on. career. Hey, he's doing all right for himself. He's doing all right. Nice one, Dan. Um, nice I just want to I want to give you a shout out as well, because you said, and I don't think you made the final edit, but you said last week that this, if you leave your glass after you've had a Lagavulin and you leave it for a day and you come back to the glass, it will smell delightful. And I laughed at you. I yeah. thought that's not very that I don't I don't believe that at all. So I did it. I decided to test this little theory. I left my Glencairn. With the with the last remaining drips around the glass, and the next day I picked it up, and the smell was delightful. It was Isn't the most gorgeous? caramelly, gorgeous smell. Annoyingly, I was hoping it would last forever, and I went back a week later and, and lit, smelt today, and it's still slightly there, but not fully there. Okay. Firstly, it works with all whiskies. So, so now I'm going to do this every day. I, I'm, the, yeah. the next day, I'm going to go back and smell what's left in the glass. But secondly, you can wash up after a day, mate. You know. Well, on, I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know. Fortunately, <laughs> I have. To, I have two Glencairns, so I wanted. It was an experiment to see how long that smell would last. Because after you, you had, we had that discussion about Nick Offerman as well, and how he was trying to get the scent of Lagavulin yeah. products. I was. I want the scent of Lagavulin in a glass after a day in a bottle because that is a delightful smell. I would like to smell like that all the time yeah enjoy that enjoy that and uh, one, one other thing now last week we featured Pete Jeffrey who very kindly sent in some some tasting notes on Lagavulin the first person to send us some some tasting notes now he didn't realise that that was going to be in the show and before the show aired he happened to go on to, to our Facebook and leave a five star review in which he said it's a really well put together podcast which nicely balances whiskey and things I came for the whiskey, I stayed for the things. And I Fantastic. just thought that was really nice. The fact that he didn't know he was going to be in the show. So uh, thanks, thanks, Pete. Thank you. Um, and, it was, and thank you for, again for your, for your notes last week. 
Yeah, I hope I did them justice. So uh, that's that's what I've got from last week. Um, thanks to everyone, everyone who uh, everyone who listened. Thank you, everyone who is tuning in. Should we crack on with this week's whiskey, Nick? Let's do it. Irish whiskey, sure it's liquid sunshine. This week's whiskey. We're going to Dublin. We are. We're going to Dublin, and we're going to try the Teelin Small Batch Irish whiskey. Yeah, we are. It's Have I pronounced that right? Teeling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I could get that wrong. <laughs> T-E-E-I-N-G. It's a very new company, this. Um, they started in 2015, this version of Teeling Whiskey, by two brothers, Jack and Stephen Teeling. They do have a history of making whiskey. They had a, I think their granddad had a small distillery, like 100 years ago or something like that. They built a brand new distillery in the middle of Dublin. And it's the first new distillery in Dublin for over 125 years which is interesting. Wow. I think. Uh, well, I did some research on this myself. Yeah? Hit me. So so it's, it's, it's in what they call the Golden Triangle. Okay. Region of, <laughs> of, uh, of Dublin, which is the historic distilling district of the city. Yes. So they've gone right back to where, they've not just opened a distillery in, in Dublin, they've gone to the heart of where that's always happened. Yeah. Uh, which I like, almost like a, a, a nod to the history of, the whiskey making traditions of of Irish whiskey, and yeah, they're, they're, going back to these brothers, apparently there has been uh, whiskey. According to the website, there has been whiskey making and entrepreneurship that has been in the Teeling genes as far back as 1782, and uh, Walter Teeling set up a small craft distillery on Marabone Lane. There you go, all the way back then. But yeah, and, and that and that new distillery they've they've set up is just around the corner from where that that was. Yeah, it's a great thing. So, Oh, yeah, because you sent me a link this week because they actually they do a virtual tour around the distillery. Well, well they normally they normally you can book a tour to go in normal yeah. times, but obviously because everything's closed, they've done a virtual tour, which is really great. And I had a look. Uh, did you have a look? I went around the whole thing. I did the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, I thought you would. I started yeah. off in the gift so, shop, of course, and then uh, and then uh, went all the way around. You go past the three. They've got three beautiful big copper pot stills in there. You can walk throughout and... As you walk around, you can click on little videos and like hear some more about it. It's really interesting. Really recommend going on there. Yeah, so we'll put the uh, we'll put the link in the doobity doo in the doobity doo, uh, and, and we'll share that on social media as well. So, um, Nick, from the smell of this, I'm getting I'm getting a caramelly. Is that it's, thing? You have washed that glass, right? That's not. Your I, old this is a different glass. one. This no, this is a different <laughs> glass. I promise. Uh, definitely a, a, a chocolatey, caramelly smell. Yeah, and chocolate. I didn't get that at first, but I, as it stayed in the glass for 10 minutes, I'm getting that a little bit. Okay. And also, I th- it's on the eyes, it's, it's a lot pale, paler than a lot of other whiskeys we've done so far. It's a lot lighter. Yeah. Are you, are you agreeing with me on that one? I am agreeing with you on that. It's more like a, a straw, a light straw. On the nose, for me, I've been trying to pick out the, because um, this is aged in ex-bourbon casts, Again, classic yeah. Irish classic whiskey Irish style. Whiskey. Um, but they finish this off in rum barrels. So there will be a sweetness in there. But just think of this at the moment. As you're sniffing. I'm thinking. I'm sniffing. White wine. Oh, yes. I am getting that. Isn't it? Oh, wow. It smells like white wine. There's a definite dried fruit raisin vibe to it, but white wine for me. There is definitely a white wine thing in there. Get my nose right in. The tip's going right in, Nick. It's quite strong, this. It is. 46%, it's isn't 46, it? yeah, because they didn't want to chill filter it. If they wanted to go down to 40%, that's one of the processes they'd need to do. But they think it takes out a lot of flavour. I tell you what, that is, is a, delightful. It's lovely, isn't it? Good finish. That is so nice. It it tingles your tongue because it's obviously a bit stronger. There's a there's a nice tingle on the tongue. Yeah. Which is a really nice sensation. And as long as but you don't just neck it, you won't get all that al- alcohol ruining it as well. This doesn't taste like most Irish whiskies. It may be the rum. It's there a little bit, mm. but there's definitely a twist on it, isn't it? It's definitely mm. a different kind of flavour than most of the Irish ones. There is a spice to it. There is a spice to there it. There is a spice. There's definitely a spice to it. I wonder if it's because, uh, again, I found this out on the website, the master distiller is is an American guy. Oh, okay. So he was a guy that was doing bourbon yeah. and married an Irish woman, moved over to Dublin and started doing this. So he has a, a background in a different kind of whiskey making. Perhaps, yeah. So he would have brought some different flavour or different ideas to the table. Um, yeah, this is, I. it is strong. I am noticing the strength of this. It is nice. Uh, part of me 
thinks this should be watered down just to help bring out the flavours. Like a bit of ice in this might might do it a favour. But also, I would put ice I was in it. on. I'd do a little drop of water because if you water you stop, rather than ice. Yeah, because once you stop adding ice, it affects your tongue. Your tongue tastes things better when at room temperature. Once you start adding ice, it's like you know when you have a slushy. And after the yeah. first few sips, you can't taste it anymore because you're, you've lost mm. all the sensation in your tongue. But a bit of water will bring out flavours. But what I found was interesting on their website, you know how when I spoke to Charlotte, uh, Charlotte Campbell, yeah. we, we were talking about cocktails and it started a whole thing about whiskey cocktails. Mm-hmm. One of the main parts of the Teelin website is they have a cocktail section. Yeah, they're pushing the cocktails in there, yeah. They're really pushing the cocktails, and you can see why, with a whiskey like this, it does have so much flavour. You could see why they would want want you to drink this as part of a cocktail. Um, They had a blood orange whiskey smash, tropical tealing, apple of my eye, just to name a few. They had had about seven or eight different cocktails on there, and I thought, that's a nice touch. It's a very clever touch to try and bring more people to the table, especially with a whiskey that has sweetness like this and one that I think because it is strong will benefit from from being watered down to bring out more of the flavours now yum I'm looking there's some good stuff there is some really good stuff so mm. def- definitely I, I mean once next time I need to buy a bottle I, this I think is going to be high on my list of whiskies to have on my collection because this is really nice it is really nice I really nice. enjoy this but I feel like there's so much you could do with it as well it's definitely got a bit of fruitcake in there as well. Yeah, there again. is, yeah. yeah. Are you getting that? There's yeah. definitely that fruity cake. There's that soaring. Anna Jones will be pleased. <laughs> anyway, we will hear more about this whiskey from the Whiskey God later on in the episode. Just get the things over with. Everyone's favourite part of the show, Dave. And my favourite part of the show. Isn't it? It's the things. Yeah. So please, Dave, it is the things. tell me what has been keeping you busy this week? Well, I took some time to myself this week and decided to try and build some Lego. Uh, I had mixed success with this. <laughs> I built the International Space Station and that went very well. Well done, well done. Uh, and then I tried to build a tower for my Saturn V rocket and uh, spent 48 hours on this. My fingers are still hurting and... Uh, it collapsed as I was putting on the final piece on the top. So, uh, yeah, I'm back to the drawing board on that one. I have to, I have to refigure that out. But it was a lot of fun. I haven't, I haven't had that much fun with Lego in ages. You know so, what? That um, makes a lot of sense because you didn't answer a lot of texts over that period, right? <laughs> I noticed. I thought, Dave's a bit quiet at the moment. Why isn't he answering to this, that and the other? And then, like, later on the next day, you put up that video and I was like, okay, that makes sense. He was playing with Lego. I had a few people mention this to me that I was a little bit despondent <laughs> on Saturday, Sunday and Monday. And it and it was because of that. I was basically, I was time-lapsing, so I, my phone was yeah. was on. Yeah. And it just, I didn't think it was going to take that long. But then it did take long. And then I got into the mindset of, I've got to do this now. And was getting a little bit frustrated with how long it was taking. Mm. But was did so determined. I mean, I was up till 6am on Sunday. Good and then got two Lord. hours sleep. Okay. And then the, the sun was up. I was like, I'll get some sleep. But I couldn't sleep because my head was just going around. What do I need to do? How do I make that work? How do I? Because I was, at that point, I was stuck struggling with the lift uh, down the central column, which I then nailed. And I was happy about that after a two hour break. Um, but yeah, and then the, the crane killed it. But anyway. So it fell over. Yeah. Uh, it fell over. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've, I've actually got something to say that's coming up so this goes out on tuesday uh, on tuesday the 19th this will go out on tomorrow night wednesday if you're listening to this on the tuesday tomorrow night wednesday the 20th of may uh i'm doing a live stream another live stream fantastic uh on rob goff promotions facebook page it'll be at 8 p.m uh in english time um so if you want to tune into that you can do um also nick i want want to talk about something something got delivered to me this week and i don't know who sent it to me wasn't me. Um, I got a gift. Oh, yeah. And it's a bottle of whiskey. And it's really special. It, it's called Houston We've Had a Problem. It's a 13-year-old <laughs> Apollo 13 50th anniversary special edition single malt scotch from Highland Park. Oh, my word. Okay. Um, it's one of... It's, it's bottle number 169 of 322. Special. Uh, right. 
61.3% Highland Park. Ooh. It's and it's it's got a special label on it. It's so got it's like, rocket fuel, mate. Basically, yeah. <laughs> 60 what? 61. So, I mean, yeah. I mean okay, that one you want to put a bit of water it's in. Car, <laughs> it's car strength, isn't it? So yeah. Oh dear. I don't I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. I don't know whether this is one what I'm supposed to drink or whether this is one or just, just leave it and save keep, it. Yeah, is it an investment? I've no idea. Because I've heard a little bit about whiskey becoming an investment. But whoever got it for me, thank you very much. Because that's special. It will go, goes nicely on my space shelf. Well, it wasn't me. So, well, well, thank you whoever did it. So that's <laughs> that's what I've been up to. What have you been up to this week? Well, I've just been kind of chilling out a bit. Because of this week's guest, I was looking through my old like band photography books and, you know, a few of my favourite photographers and stuff like that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's very convenient. Because we had a, we on. had a comment on i on apple podcasts okay you can leave reviews on apple podcasts and uh i read them we've had f- four or five now and this one is from someone called pbsnto that's their username P- so i don't know their real name but pbsnto right. okay don't know what that stands for but good luck to you and uh it says this i love this podcast was a subscriber to its original YouTube version. Ah. Originally found this through Nick's Photography. So if you're looking for a things topic, that would be a good one. Thanks for the podcast. Well, P-M-T-O-D-W. <laughs> that is your real name. <laughs> I mean, your parents were cruel, mate. Cruel. <laughs> That's your first name. Well, let us know what that actually means. Um... But no, um, you're in for a treat then this week because go on. This week we have a rather special guest. I want to take you back to a past life, listeners. I want to take you back to the late 2000s when whiskey and things was but an itch in the whiskey god's ballsack. <laughs> Dave Giles was killing it with his band The Rileys. And Nick Kent was young, suntanned and talented, touring the world with punk pop power trio Tat. It was around that time I met a guy called Jared Scott, who's a concert photographer, an all-round nice guy, right? We were touring the US and Canada with MXPX and Lagwagon in 2008, and Jared joined us, because he was good friends with MXPX, to shoot them on the tour. And we've been good friends ever since. A little bit of background on Jared. Um, he used to work a lot with Alternative Press, which is kind of the US version of Enemy, Krang. It was like their alternative music publication out there. He shot many, many huge bands in his time, such as No Doubt, Green Day, Blink-182, Weezer, Against Me, Paramore. Wow. Um, wow, MXPX, wow. you know, who he's g- good friends with. We'll go into a bit of their relationship um, with those guys later on as well yeah. full disclosure I, I don't know who MXPX are but because I knew this was coming up I did some research and they are the, the archetypal stereotypical West Coast pop punk band they're great they are amazing but they've been around for years and I've not heard years. of them so they started in their teens and they're still going we, you mentioned them last week so that, so I che- I made sure I checked them out and uh, they're, they're really they're really great yeah it's great I, I enjoyed going through some of their stuff this week yeah. so, so just, just to clarify mm-hmm. You weren't doing much photography when you met Jared. Mm, uh, bits and pieces. Or, or were you starting to get into it around the same time? I was starting. Uh, um, yeah, just before. Like around 2006 when I first went out there, I took my, like a 35mm film camera and I was shooting the bands. And then I'd have right. to wait two months to get my film developed when I got back to actually see the pictures I'd taken. It was like a different time. <laughs> the different old time. days. I yeah. used to shoot four bands with one roll of 35 millimeter film. It's not like you can just like blast a load of pictures now. I had to actually work hard on it. <laughs> yeah. So um, just for the listener's benefit, he does talk about MXPX a bit in this section. And um, I just want to bring up that he talks about a guy called Yuri. Um, Yuri was the drummer in MXPX who left the band for a few years before returning about three years later. Um, so I just okay. wanted to let you guys know that. And... I hope you enjoy the first section of my interview with Jared Scott. Jared, how are you? Nick, this is so <laughs> weird. Dude, how long has it been since we've like held one another? Since we've embraced. Yeah. It wasn't the Sound City shoot, was it? I In, think that might have been the last was that, time. It was about 2011. Good God. 
I know. It's been too long. Let's start somewhere. Um, do you have a shoot or a show which really sticks in your mind as a as a highlight for you? You've shot some big names. Um, yeah. Jeez. Which one where you you walked away from the show and you're like, yes, that was yeah. That was it. I've had a few of those. Um, I got to shoot uh Blink 182's tour rehearsal when they got back together in 2009. Wow. Yeah, because you took um, some portraits of Mark Hoppus, didn't you? Yeah. So through Alternative Press, I did uh, a feature with him, and then he liked hanging out with me and my friend Megan who assisted on that. And she's also a photographer and he like just kind of kept hanging out with us and we did a few things and I shot another band that he was working with in the studio. So I got to see him a few more times. And then uh, they had like a secret show that I shot for alternative press. And uh, that was like another touch point, like getting to see each other. But that summer as they were getting ready to go back on that big tour, their merch company had this idea that they wanted to make like, was it like 50 unique, like old school punk rock show flyer t-shirts. Yeah. One per show. And so they needed all these new photos, but they didn't have anything. They only had that secret show where they played three songs. And so Mark got me like paid to give them photos. And then at the end of the summer, they were, they, they hit me up and they were like, we don't have enough photos. Can you come shoot tour rehearsal? And I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. So I spent the afternoon at the LA Forum just shooting them as they like rehearsed. And and then they took a little break and then they played their like set that night for like a thousand like guests like that they personally invited. Like, oh, wow. I remember see I saw like Chad from Newfound and like <laughs> different people like that, just like hanging, like walking around on the floor, you know, and stuff. And so I got to shoot that part of the show too, but that was another one of those, like, this is one of the first bands I remember listening to. And I saw them in high school and they were huge. I mean, them and Green Day, I feel like are two of the most iconic bands in punk rock because oh, definitely. of yeah. the level they've hit. And the fact that I got to like do work with them was really cool. And, and it was fun. It, what, what year was this? 2010, maybe? Yuri quit MXPX. And they were going to play one final show with Yuri and they were going to play um, life in general uh, front to back, which they hadn't done before. And I still in my brain maintain that I think I planted that seed. I think I was the one that was like, guys, you should play this record in full. Yeah, let's say it was. I'm sure it was. And so they played in Vegas and um, me and two of my buddies drove out and, uh, I shot that show. And at the time, again, we all thought this is it. Like Yuri's done. And the way that I looked at it was, this has been the band, just the three of them from the beginning. So MXPX is over. And I was sad. I mean, I'd worked with them for a few years, but they've been my favorite band since like 1996. And so, uh, it was like a very bittersweet show, but man, like, Emotional. Uh, yeah, but the energy, like everybody oh, yeah, was singing man. every word of that. And I mean, it was like this cool, like smallish club inside a hotel, maybe 600 people uh, crammed in there. And like I said, I mean, all of us were just screaming every word. And there was no barricade. It was a really difficult show in a sense to shoot, but I walked away with like some of my favorite photos of those guys. Yeah. Ever. So you, you've known the MXPX guys for a long time. You got a pretty special relationship with them, haven't you? Yeah, they they were one of the first bands that I shot. Like June of 2007, I think I shot my first MXPX show at a record store, and uh, after that is how I slowly started wor- worming my way into their world. <laughs> yeah, um, just through like the talking to someone working at the show, I went up to him at the record store and said, Hey, I took some photos. Uh, who, who should I contact about like getting them? And he gave me uh, Mike's mom's email address. And Amazing. I sent her photos and she was like, these are great. Can we put them on our website? And I've flipped out, you know, here's yeah. like my, the, the band that like got me interested in and passionate about music. 
you know, they're going to put my photos on their website. And I had this theory early on where like the first time that I did something with a band, it was just straight up, you know, strangers, random, pray for the best kind of thing. Uh, and then give them photos, blow them away. Like that's my goal. That way, when they come around a second time, they'll say, yes, they'll let me come back. Yeah. And that time we'll have a little bit more to talk about uh, because we've done a show together or whatever. And by the third time, my feeling was I'd be friends or in with the band. And that's really, what I, I think for the most part, how it worked with most bands is it just took like three times. And by that third time of doing things, like I found my rhythm, I found that they were being much more like, chummy and comfortable and they'd forget that I was there like hanging out in the dressing room and I think like I've always been an observer I've always noticed I don't know subtle things or how people do things and and um I, I watched that early on I remember being um I'm probably just confusing shows I was like I think you guys did a show with them at the key club but I think those are two separate shows they no, played the we key didn't club play, you guys no we did right. the warp tour kickoff party at the key club right. Yeah. yeah, it was a separate one. So same, same venue, but my yeah. first time there was with them and there was another photographer that they had worked with before, young guy. He made them feel uncomfortable right away. Like, cause he yeah. just kept asking them. He's like, Hey, uh, you want to go over there and do this? And Hey, do you want to go? You guys, like he kept interrupting what they were doing to try to like force a photo. And then he like had a bunch of things that he kept asking them to like sign. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, that I don't want to be that person and so I think that helped me like learn right away like oh there's so many variables to how this stuff works it's not just about taking a good photo um you know there's all this other stuff reading the room yeah and did you did like via warp tour and stuff like that did you happen to ever get to know Ethan uh Luck from Reliant K a little bit yeah that was a long time ago yeah no I remember them yeah so he was someone that helped me early on because he'd been in a lot of bands and had toured a long time and things like that. And he was just like, he's like, man, it's so much more important that you're a good hang than anything. He's like, because if a band's going to bring you on the road with them and stuff, he's like, you're living together. So I hope you enjoyed that. You can listen to the second part of the interview later on in the show. Looking forward to that, mate. Um, I loved it when he was talking about at the end. There, he was talking about how it's how important it is to be a good hang. Yes, uh, if you want to get on important? in this industry. Yeah, I mean, I, when when I was in Nashville, I remember talking with Adam and Kevin, who played on my album, and, and them saying that the the thing that they think has got them furthest in their career is the fact that they've made sure they're easy to work with. Yeah, no, it is a massive deal. Um, yeah, um, probably why I haven't done too much in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, David. Well, that's the thing with, um, <laughs> like, in theatre as well, it's the same kind of thing. My friend Rob Wicks, he'd, he'd give me gigs, which there are a lot of bass players out there who are a lot more well-qualified <laughs> for that. But, you know, we can hang out and I can do the job and I learn to do the job as well as anyone else. And uh, When you know you're going to be spending six months with someone in a tight-knit space, that's just as important as how... Yeah. Obviously, I can play We're, bass, everyone, and I do the job yeah, 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 very yeah, yeah. well, but, but I'd like to say, but... Yeah, of course. But you're putting yourself in the frame by, by being uh, easy to get on with as well. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> cool. Well, I look forward to hearing more from Jared later on in the show. Whiskey! So, Nick, now it's time for everyone's favourite part of the show, apparently. Is it? Apparently. I thought the thing well, was yeah. everyone's part of the show. Well, after last week singing God, I think oh. uh, I think he's got some got himself some new fans. I reckon the charity singles on the cards. You know that. <laughs> you know what I do? That, you know that what? would be amazing. Earlier on, I sent you a little video, didn't I? I tried putting some chords behind his ramblings. Behind his ramblings, you know what it reminded me of? No, like William Shatner's music. Oh my God! Yes. Isn't it? Yes, 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 yes. Anyway. That a charity single is definitely on the cards. We've got to make that happen, yeah. and will be the charity. Anyway, <laughs> um, we heard from <laughs> we heard from Kate Sharp, uh, who hello. It's, it, 
she's all the way over the other side of uh, of the Atlantic. She's uh, in Massachusetts. And she said that episode eight was hands down her favourite Whiskey God visit so far. Oh, dear. Uh, and we've learned a handy new trick. When he gets a bit grumpy, just play him a bit of Jess Muse. And his mood will turn right round and we'll even get a bit of a sing-along. Well. Do you know what? I think that, yeah, we, we do now know. We do now know exactly what we need to do. He now follows only two pages on Twitter. Two? On Instagram. Okay. Yeah, he follows the podcast, amazingly, even though he always slags us off. Yeah. And he follows Jess Muse. Oh, so, you know, true, true to form, he knows what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what he likes, doesn't he? he? knows what he likes. So, uh, shall we see if he's around? Shall we see? Oh! oh. Kid Millefulcher, gentlemen. Sounds like an attempt to speak in Irish. How many languages do you know, God? Whiskey God is an omniglot. Imbeciles. Well that, well, that makes sense. Hey, hey, God, a lot of people have been asking about your origin story. Uh, we, we've heard some different rumours and we're, we're a bit confused, wondering if you could clarify a few things for us, uh, if that's all right. I heard a story that whilst touring the Jim Beam Distillery in Kentucky, there was a man named Jonathan and uh, he tripped and he fell into a still. Oof. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that was the end of Jonathan. But apparently, the god was born. Really? That's ludicrous, but true. Oh, okay. Well, I, I heard something else. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I heard that the god was the result of a genetic blending experiment by Johnny Walker. Oh. <laughs> trying to produce their new oh, yeah. pink edition. Wow. And then, yeah, and they actually based the movie Twins on his birth. No. Meaning somewhere there's the complete opposite of him. Hmm. What? His twins out there somewhere. Maybe someone who can't even pronounce the word bourbon. You never know. <laughs> How, is that true? Is it true, God? Yes, that is true. They can't all be true. Well, I don't know what to think. Anything is possible. We're never going to get to the bottom of this, but what we might get to the bottom of is the Whiskey God's opinion of the Teelin Small Batch Irish Whiskey. Teeling Small Batch Irish Whiskey. On the eyes, notice the beautiful honey amber. Perhaps a pale bale of hay. On the nose, you will get malt bathing in a dried apricot and banana. Grain and brown sugar, as grainy as your typical traditional Irish whiskey nosing. Leading us to a very welcome aroma, indeed. On the palate, syrupy grain, honey, caramel, that illustrious dried fruit from the nose, and banana nut muffin directly on your tongue. If you've never imagined a citrusy vanilla ice cream, then surprise, it's melting on your tongue now in a very juicy manner. Turn that up a notch with some darker notes, and you have a very complex Irish dram. This could have something to do with its finish in a rum cask. On the finish, that banana nut is finishing in your mouth now, leaving you with hints of brown sugar and dried fruit undertones. Overall, Teeling's small batch is a very welcome addition to the world of Irish whiskies. What might be proper for a sour cocktail could surprise you as a lone sipper. The non-chilled filtered process and higher proof gives the usual Irish whiskey experience a dark kick and a texture similar to that of, hmm, dare I say it, a thick, syrupy, unfiltered bourbon. Smooth as it is, it could do well in a hot toddy if you like ruining a proper whiskey. If you'd like an Irish whiskey that tells a unique story, 
I suggest giving Teeling Small Batch Irish Whiskey a proper go. Enjoy. Ta-ta. Well, there we go. Thank you, Whiskey God. Yeah, well, no singing this week. He's gone and he's not left us with a song. That's a shame. Disappointed. That is a shame. Maybe next week. Nick, I got... What the hell is a banana and an apricot? A banana? <laughs> I mean, I get I get insulted about some of the way I pronounce words, but I mean, banana and apricot. Someone, someone needs to go to elocu- elocution lessons. The fact I got that word wrong is amazing. <laughs> well, uh... I think, yeah, got... God needs to learn more about fruit. Well, he needs to... And how to pronounce it. Yeah, obviously that wasn't in any of his origin stories, was it? Um, and, yeah. I mean, maybe he is the twin of someone who can't pronounce the word Berman. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe there's some truth in that. Should we hear some more from Jared? <laughs> yeah. This is a great little segment, this. Enjoy. That whiskey guard has notions. When you were getting the photography bug, with your style, how it developed, did you have any particular photographers you admire or did it just come naturally your... Because you do have a signature look. Yeah, I mean, because I didn't have that, like, upbringing in in art or photo and because I never went to, you know, school for it or anything. You didn't study photography at uni? Nope. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. I was studying to be, like, a youth pastor. Oh, really? So, okay. Yeah, so um, I, I definitely wasn't educated on like the popular, oh, you need to know this person. Oh, this is who this is. You know, like it took me years to like start understanding some of that. Um, so at the time, everything that I was like really interested in was all like either contemporaries or my friends. There was a music photographer back then named Ryan Russell uh, who did a lot of film uh, while everyone was getting into the digital field, he was still shooting film and he was working with bands like Paramore and My Chemical Romance and Death Cab for Cutie and stuff like that. And I really liked the look of almost everything that I ever saw him do. Like his black and white stuff just felt like timeless and crispy. And Mm. uh, a lot of his like color stuff looked cross-processed and kind of green. And it had like a flavor to it, but then all of his photos just had this depth to them stylistically too like what did i like seeing as i was growing up and like walking into the record store or buying a cd and looking at it like what kind of images did i like and just thinking like i i think fans probably like that kind of stuff like they want a wild i mean i was shooting punk rock bands so yeah. they want stuff that's energetic and loud and wild and so when do you start touring with bands My first real tour experience, like I was out on the road for a few days with MXPX, but my first real tour was the tour we all did in 2008. Like for me, I'm this green person, not only like to touring, but to the industry and all this stuff. And here I am living on a bus for three weeks and... I had to kick a stranger out of a bunk that was supposed to be mine. Was that me? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. We had no, uh, we no, had, I we know. Had van issues. <laughs> yeah, I remember getting in super late and them being like, "So these other guys are staying on our bus. They're in the opening band, and and that guy is uh, sleeping in your bunk." And I was like, "That's fine, man. I'll sleep wherever." <laughs> and you were like, "No, I'm so sorry." And I was like, "No, I'm sorry. Like I'm just showing up." And now you, and uh, no, that was your bunk. That was your bunk, man. Right, but but like all of a sudden, <clears throat> here we are on this like you know touring or a tour. And for me, I, I, I think, were there four bands or five bands? It was you there guys. Was, was it only crime? Oh yeah. Right? It's lag, yeah. Only crime lag wagon co-headlining yep. the guys. Yep. And yeah, we were opening up. Yeah. I didn't really talk to the only crime guys at all. I didn't know who their band was. And again, I was super timid. Yeah. Uh, same with like the lag wagon guys. I mean, I loved that band growing up, but I didn't know any of them. So I was super just like, I'm going to stay over here. Mm. But because you guys were on our bus, I got to know you guys right away. And you guys were all just so like kind and, um, and like funny and chummy and all that kind of stuff that for me, it was like, Oh, these, these guys are my friends like already. 
There's likewise, you, know, you were super easy to get on with, super nice. Again, it was just not, yeah. you know, nine, right. 10 years later, still good buddies. Oh, longer. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. It's about 12 years now. Right. I think friendship had always been an important thing to me. And I'm not looking to make everybody my friend because I know that's not realistic. I mean, yeah. You know, if you try to go deep with everybody, you go deep with nobody. And I, I look for, like, I want less friends that I can invest in and have a deep relationship with and things like that. And, um, and so I think that was, I, I just tried to like let all of that happen naturally um, as I met bands. And, and so yeah. like on that tour, I mean, you guys, I liked your sound. I liked your guys uh, charisma on and off stage. I mean, and so for me, I was just like, Oh yeah, I just want to hang out with these guys. And then when you guys would come to California or warp tours, or when we got to randomly cross paths in Texas, like, course, like that yeah. was just awesome to me. Like that. I just got to see my friends all over the place. Do you think it's easier or hard enough for young photographers to kind of get into the shooting bands and making it a career or part of their career? You know, cause it's, it's hard to make, a living from shooting bands. Yeah. I think you, you, you definitely need to be smart about what your plan is. I mean, I think it's maybe a little easier now because it almost feels like every single band needs to be paying someone to go on every tour with them because social media is the new form of marketing. Of course. So if you're out on tour and you're not posting stuff, if you're not, producing good content then did you even tour you know like yeah no you're completely right almost how it seems but i mean that doesn't mean that these bands all have the budget to pay someone a good wage or rate but again like when you're starting out and you're fresh out of high school or like you know in your early 20s like you don't need a ton to live off of and it is all about connections like if you go on tour and you're working with the smaller band on the tour you might meet people in the higher, you know, bigger band or someone's manager and that could open the door. Like, so to me, I would think there's got to be an element of it. That's a little easier. I mean, it's still probably super saturated and you're competing against, and I love it. I mean, I, I love it. I, when I was a few years in, I was meeting some of these younger guys and they'd be like, Oh, I love your stuff. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I was like, you're way past where I I am. And they'd be like, no, no. And like, now those guys are like on tour with Billie Eilish. And I'm like, yeah, I was, <laughs> you should have listened to me those years ago when I said you were way past, but, <laughs> but again, it's also, I mean, it should be easier to get in with a band in my opinion. Uh, but then it is, it's, it's all based on like, are you growing? Are you doing something different? Are you easy to be around? Yeah. And it takes some time. Like uh, I knew for 10 years, I knew this photographer, Maddie Vogel uh, through social media. And I mean, he, he toured with a lot of these bands, all time low and Paris and you know, all that kind of stuff. And then, and, and he was fantastic. He, he's always been an amazing photographer, but it was years of him just slugging it out uh, until something hit. And then he started touring with 30 seconds to Mars. And then that really put him on like another level. You know, now he's out shooting these arena shows and he's traveling the globe shooting like fashion and adventure photos with Jared Leto. I was going to say, yeah. And you need to be versatile with that guy in a band. Yeah. And, and then from that was able to land himself in the Billie Eilish camp because she didn't have anybody shooting for her. And now, and now that's, he's their photographer. Yeah. It just takes one little, it's like, one little break, I guess. Yeah. 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 And he's so, I mean, he's the perfect dude to be doing that. Like his style is fantastic and he's mellow and chill. Like you don't want some loud, crazy personality out in that world. Like you need to, to fit in, you know, and stuff like that. So so I, I think that there is possibility, but you got to be, you got to be smart. You know, I remember years ago when uh, Adam Almakaya started doing prints and uh, all the bands that he was working with, like, I think that was brilliant on his part to, to charge them little to nothing, but to have them push his prints uh, because those were the bands that kids were buying prints of left and right. And so 
I'm sure he made way more off print sales than he would have off of a band hiring him to shoot something. And it didn't cost the band anything. They just were posting the content that he was making for them and tagging him and saying, you know, prints available, which I think is brilliant. So I I think, you know, it's probably important that there's a, a partnership between the photographer and the, the artist or the band they're working with. Um, and I think that there are ways to be lucrative and smart, um, especially nowadays having platforms like Patreon and stuff like that. It's like, if you are making cool content and if you can educate or inform or something like that, like you can charge people five bucks a month to join your Patreon and you might be able to even just live off of that. You're listening to the Whiskey and Things podcast. I really liked what he was talking about there, particularly about style and uh, the partnership between a photographer and an artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. For example, you and me. You and me, Dave. What partnership over the years? Yeah, we've got a whole book of uh, of photos that you have taken of me, and that was just before I was 30. It's been more since then. It has, yeah. Um, but, but for me as an artist, it's definitely when I know that you're taking my photo because you've done so many before and I know, I know your work, it's so much easier for me to take direction from you because I know that I know what the end result would be. Whereas if I have to work with someone else, it's a lot more awkward because you're getting to know each other. So I, I think there's a lot, lot to be said for that. But um, also, if anyone would like to buy some prints of me performing, then go on, <laughs> on Nick's website because... Uh, they do oh, exist. I might put them up. Yeah, they do. They do exist. I might do a whole one. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. Uh, and then Dave doesn't have to pay me any money. You know, you're you know, it's great. So, <laughs> but but also you, you've got people like Ben Morse, who's another photographer that we like, who we hope yeah. to get on the show at some point, and he's he's connected with Frank Turner and a load of Frank's best photos of, of stuff that Ben has taken. So you see this quite a lot, and it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Yes, you do. You see a lot of photographers, a lot of the iconic. Like you two and Anton Corbin. Anton Corbin, of course, yes. Metallica and Ross Halfin. You know, okay, I don't know that pictures. one, but I, I'll take your word for it. Yeah, a lot of the most iconic Metallica shots are Ross Halfin. Same with you two and, and Anton Corbin. You know, because um, they developed that style over the over the years, don't they? Yeah, yeah, it makes so, a lot yeah, of sense. Um, that was really fun having a little catch up with Jared. You can watch the whole uncut interview on our Patreon page. Excellent. Excellent. Is that, and I imagine there's a lot more of his origin story in there. There's a lot more of the origin story. Um, there's some great tales from the road and the pit. It's about 50 minutes we were talking. Wow, amazing. Look forward um, to that. Yeah, and we go into a bit more about his photography style as well. Um, and we hear as well his work he's doing at the moment with some non-profit organisations, which is also nice. So that's on our Patreon page, which is <coughs> patreon.com forward slash whiskey and things, whiskey with no E. And how can we find out more about Jared, Nick? Jared's socials are, firstly, Jared is spelt J-E-R-E-D, Scott. Jared. Jared. Jared Scott. Jared Scott. Um, on Instagram and Twitter, he is at Jared Scott. And on Facebook, search for Jared Scott. And if you'd like to check out his whole music portfolio, including some dashing photos of yours truly, <laughs> um, log on to jaredscottphoto.com. Will do. He's also an amazing wedding photographer as well. There's some great shots on there. And he does all kinds of stuff. Just go check him out. He's fantastic. I can't believe you're still listening to this podcast. God, you're a trooper. Who is that? Anyway, carry on. Well, Nicholas, I've really enjoyed this whiskey. uh, And although we've only got the tiny little small bottles, which we've got from the the, uh, Drinks by the Dram, I think I'm going to have to get myself a bottle of this. Where can you get it from? Well, I've spotted it in my local Tesco. I'm sure you can get it elsewhere. Yes, so it's quite widely available. Um, So what whiskey are we doing next week? Next week, we are, this is exciting, okay? It's number 10 next week. Number 10. We are... Coming home. Well, yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much made halfway between us, Dave. Halfway between Manchester and uh, in- and England and London, um, <laughs> we are trying the Cotswold Distillery Single Malt. Whiskey. Nice. There so, we go. Nice. It's an English whiskey. It's our first English whiskey, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's another forty six percent or two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing! Get so, yeah, we've been, we've been doing this, and I've had one little glass, and I definitely am feeling it, which is which is lovely. Um, we have to mention here that we have seen at least one person who listens to the show has purchased the selection that we have 
from Drinks by the Dram. Yes. On Marsh of Malt. Kate, Hello, Nick Kate. Kent fan club, founding member, has indeed purchased them all. So uh, we are expecting some tasting notes <laughs> from Kate in the future episodes. Yes. So yes, no pressure, are. Kate. No pressure. But we expect some uh, Whiskey God style. And feel free to actually record yourself and send them in. And we, we may even feature that. We might do that. If not, we'll read them. I, I think now, and, and, and anyone else wants to do that as well. Uh, we, if you want to actually record yourself a little 10 to 15 second clip of you talking about the whiskey, we would love that. Please send it Ooh. to us. Find, send us a message and we'll figure out how, to, how you can send that to us. Exciting. Uh, and be part of the show. So uh, we had, I got an, a callback here, Nick. On YouTube, we had a comment. The podcast goes up on YouTube a couple of days after the other platforms. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a, a comment from Michaela Lachelle. Cool name. She's... I know, right? Uh, she's from Australia, and I met her when I was on tour in Australia when we were making the first run of Whiskey and Things on YouTube. Yeah. And, uh, I remember you left me for three weeks. Uh, I remember. That, that, some, some of my favourite parts of that whole process was those video clips that you, you made. Playing tennis by Amazing. myself. Yeah. Amazing. Well, she said uh, that the music of the intro gives us such good memory flashbacks to the video series. Uh, one of those music instrumentals that gives you that warm and good vibe in feelings. Uh, such great personalities that just seem to bounce off each other perfectly. Love it. Thank you, Michaela. Oh. And it's it's funny she should mention the music because I did this week put up a live version of the song that inspired the whole of this project, Whiskey and Wings. Whiskey and Things. It's my song, Whiskey and Wings. <laughs> yeah. and I put that up on, on YouTube. It's a live version from when we played it at the Monarch, Nick's in the band. Our friend Dean DeChoso's in the band, uh, Dave Cruzen on drums, Liza uh, singing backing vocals, Dina yeah. on the fiddle, and, yeah. and Kevin Harland on, on guitar. It's great band, really good. great night. Yeah. Uh, we get some crowd surfing from from Max, from You Me at Six. It's all, uh, Chris is in it, Chris Rivero's in it. Oh, it, it was yeah. a wonderful night. It was so, a great uh, night. Perhaps if you'd like to know more about how... Nick and I end up doing Whiskey and Things. You've only got to listen to Whiskey and Wings. No, good work. It's come out really well. I, I watched it just before we started recording this, and it's very good. Brilliant. Br Excellent. Brought back some great memories, for sure. We may have a guest next week. We haven't uh, decided yet, but I'm sure we, we haven't will. finalized it. We've we have finalized it. We've got two potentially lined up, but uh, yeah. we'll find out. We'll find out. Either way, tune in next week where we'll be doing the Cotswolds Distillery Single Malt and... Uh, if you have any thoughts on the tealin or any other thoughts about the episode, please get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. Please do. I've been Dave. And I've been Nick. Thanks for listening. That's new. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. It's a callback, call mate. It's a callback. <laughs>